in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the jolly Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> That's kind of a creepy. I, I didn't feel Santa. like it was creepy. <laughs> I've got the like a half injured. Uh, <laughs> Ow! He just broke his leg coming down the chimney. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that time of year, Glenn. It's the uh, this is a Christmas uh, spectacular. The Christmas special, the gentleman Christmas special from our hearts and hearths to yours. Mm, oh, very nice. We've um, got our eggnog over here. <laughs> I wish we last year we did we, the uh, yeah we did the homemade eggnog. Mm-hmm. This year, Glenn was like, ah, it's too much trouble. Nobody let's just uh, go get some beers. Nobody's as comfortable, you know, drinking raw eggs as I. I you I, and Rocky. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, we do have our similarities. Well, that would that be would the be one. The, <laughs> yeah. the one, the only yeah. one. Well, you know. Glenn. I guess you guys both run, you know. Occasionally, yeah. Occasionally, yeah. Run right. too. You're both champions. Well, there, there you go. Uh huh. There is that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Glenn, let's let's stop talking about Rocky. Uh, let's talking about a true champion of mm. the internet. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and that is gentleman.com. Always it's, in our corner. It's the world champion of the internet. It's mm-hmm. got the the official belt and everything. Yeah. Um. It DXs all of their websites. Uh, and it gets away with it because it's the world champion. Hey, you got to unseat the champ. That's right, and it hasn't been done yet. Nope. People keep talking about Tinder and Instagram and everything. <laughs> I don't think like, Tinder. What is I got to the... say to them is step in the ring <laughs> with gentlemen. Yep. And we'll, we'll see go... who, who the real who the real world champ is. We'll go toe to toe with Tinder. Oh yeah, any any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, gentlemen's like a dating site. <laughs> I, I don't know how many letters we've gotten from people that have found their their one true soulmate. That's right. On gentlemen. In fact, we should have one of those commercials on, on television. That's like, you know, uh, I was looking for a manly man. You know, they yeah. have the girl, and she's like, I, you know, I didn't know where to find one, and yeah. I, I tried all those other dating sites, but then I found gentleman.com. My friend told me this site called Gentleman. Yeah, exactly. See. I'm sure there's countless stories like that mm-hmm. out there, you know. But we don't want to expose anybody's names, all the personal yep. letters we've gotten. <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, Glenn. Uh, yeah, so stop on by gentleman.com if you are thinking about Tinder. Go gentleman instead. I would say. Wow. Same 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 idea basically. Mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. You can post pictures on gentleman. Yeah. You can post pictures on Instagram. I don't know. I, I personally, I'd rather use the world champ, but mm-hmm. you know. Uh, anyway, so stop on mygentleman dot com. Uh, if you're a real glutton for punishment, uh, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com dot com where you can listen to previous episodes. You can follow along with the links from this episode. You can check out some of the beers we've rated, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we would encourage you and implore you to please take a second out of your life and put pen to paper. And write me and Glenn a heartfelt letter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that hard. Actually, it could be. It doesn't have to be heartfelt. It could be uh, very sarcastic. Yeah. Dear gentleman, yeah. I love your site. <laughs> uh, you know, 
I would I would hope it'd be heartfelt. I mean, this is the season. That's true. To, That's true. We to, do expect some sincerity. Throw your arms open. That's right. Arms you know, wide open. Arms wide open all the time. Give us a a hug. Yeah. Give through, us a, a through a post letter. Office. Yeah. Give us a hug to the the United States Postal Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their season. It is. You know. I've been so. getting uh, packages delivered from the post office on Sundays. Yeah. Sundays. Yeah. They're really going after. They're it. stepping it up. Um, so yeah, it's good to support him because otherwise who's going to deliver your packages on Sundays? Not UPS. Actually, I also got some. Oh, no. uh, but they, I think they left it out in the rain. Yeah. So I, last time I had my package drop kicked to me. <laughs> Ace Ventura style. Yeah. <laughs> and he flipped me off and yelled something at me as he was driving Stole your away. dog. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I, I don't know. We can't get into that. But Glenn, so send us a letter, P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. You can write, ask us a question. You can criticize us. You can send us your love. Uh, we'll accept anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, in return, we'll take your letter. We'll talk about it on a gentleman podcast. We'll put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is a of fame. And, uh, you know, we'll, we might reciprocate with a little, uh, little something-something uh, in return for sending mm. us a, a letter to Jim at Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't send us a letter, maybe you um, you forgot how to read or write. Mm-hmm. It happens. Uh, sometimes I, f- I forget how to read or write. And uh, <laughs> if, if that happens to you, too, then uh, you could just uh, drop us an email. HowdyGentleman.com. Yeah, you could. Um, also, not, not, our, not our personal preference. No. Or you could you know post a link to Gentleman.com and say... Hey. Attention, attention, Brian and Glenn. Hey, jerk apples. Yeah, exactly. That'll that'll get to what us. What do you? What's what's the problem here? Yeah, that'll go up the chain too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, send us a letter PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence Kansas six six zero four four Howdy at gentlemen dot com. Uh, let's talk about the drink of the week this week, Glenn. Ooh. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting because since we started going to doing the episodes for the podcast once every two weeks, mm-hmm. we only got to review a couple holiday beers this year. We did, yeah. It, it snuck up on us, you know. It really did. When you only have a couple of episodes to deal with, well, it's like you, you get crammed full of these, you know, the pumpkin beers, yep. and then the uh, Oktoberfest yep. and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's a blitzkrieg. It, you have like like three weeks mm-hmm. for the Christmas beers because they're not in vogue. No, it's, it's all a about finite, the pumpkin. I mean, they start with the they start with the October beers now. Mm-hmm. We know in July, that's when they start with the October beers. But they start with the Christmas beers after the October beers fall off, which mm-hmm. is sometime in mid-November. And then by mid-December, no one wants a Christmas beer anymore. That's right. They want Everybody's looking forward. Yeah, Valentine's exactly. Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day beers. <laughs> heart, big, heart beer. Big seller. Yep. So it's just like, just like it's like, you know, dust in the wind. It's gone. However, there's an exception. Over, was it over the summer you sent me a picture of uh, the Jubilee? You saw it stock somewhere? Sometimes they overstock <laughs> the Christmas beers. And it's Christmas in July sometimes, depending on where you go. Was it was it really early or really late? It had to have been really late. Okay, so it's just still I, hanging around? I don't know, maybe. I can't remember which one I, I did. But I did, I have been, look, uh, one thing I will say before we talk about this beer is that I have been picking up some really, really cheap six packs of Oktoberfest that Ooh. have been sitting on the shelves at the liquor store that they've got to liquidate. Gonna like, save for now. next year? Uh, no. <laughs> they, they disappear pretty quick, actually. But, oh, yeah. Um, 
uh, you know, it's a Boss deal. Boss 47. It's a, de- it's a deal. I can't pass up a deal like that. No. Boss 47, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm seeing that for five ninety nine six. Oh, man. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I should just go buy all of it. Just have it for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, breakfast, uh, lunch, and dinner. Your life expectancy would probably... Probably dip a little bit. Right. But while I was alive, I'd be loving it. <laughs> Gonna go out and... Uh, Blaze of Glory. Yeah, burst of flame, yeah. Um, anyway, Glenn, I so I went to the store and I picked up this one. Uh, this is a this is a brewing company that I really like. We've talked about these people before. They're, of course, a Colorado brewing company. As we mm. know, all craft beer comes from Colorado. Right. There are no other craft beers nope. in the United States of America. They're all in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kind of law or something dictates that. But anyway... Um, so I picked up this great this beer from the Great Divide Brewing Company, and we've talked about this before. And I'm not to harp on these guys, but I like their beer a lot. I really like their beer, but it's overpriced. It is. It's, All their it's, stuff it's is like a dollar more than everybody mm-hmm. else. And I get that it might. It, it's a tasty beer and all that. I, I'm not trying to take that away from them. Yep. But I mean, come on, guys. Like you know, it's, it's the same problem I have with uh, which one the shark. Laguna, no, no, Big no. Well, Lagunitas is like that too. Oh no, no. But then there's the other one that just sold out. The San Diego Brewing Company. Yeah, is that yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah, about? yeah. Ballast Point. Ballast Point. Ballast Point Brewing. See, that's the same problem I have with Ballast Point Brewing. Is that I like their beer. Mm-hmm. It's good. But in Kansas, it's. I don't know if they're thinking this is San Diego prices or what, right. but uh, that's not how we do things in Kansas. <laughs> no way. Uh, <laughs> We're a little bit more laid back on our cost of living. Yeah. You gotta, you know, call it like we see it. Uh, anyway, Glenn, let's, let's drop all that stuff. I want to talk about this hibernation ale. Mm. Um, this this is, I will say, I've had this before. Not to take the, the, the process that we go through here. I've had it before. Look, I can't be stoic all the time. And not drink beers when hey. we're not, not on the podcast. You know what I mean? You know, you, but you, I dare you, I, I dare, I doubt you were subjectively drinking it. Was I, you know, going through every detail How of many the have beer? Yeah, exactly. Was, you know, are taking notes on the beer? Mm-hmm. And no. no. I, I was trying to divorce myself from my usual scientific self and just enjoy the beer. You, you just can't turn off that big brain of yours. I know, it's Brian. tough. It's tough when it's that big. <laughs> um... <laughs> Speaking of that, let's uh, crack this open. Um, so yeah, the Great Divide Brewing Company. I really like all this stuff. It's oh. just a, a slightly overpriced, you know. And it's it's silly to be kind of upset over a dollar. But I think I think about it more as in cheers, cheers, man. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your your thought there. No, I was just saying that. You know, people say oh. you know a dollar, two bucks isn't that big of a deal, but mm. kind of is. When you're paying ten bucks for a six pack, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, that's good. I I, I agree with you. When, when all things are equal, yeah. Exactly. You know, if one of them is a dollar more, exactly ten percent more. Yeah. Well, and it's not just the price of it. It's to me, it's like okay, there's this great beer. Maybe it's Free State or something, and that's seven ninety nine. And you're saying yours is two dollars mm. better than theirs? Like I don't know. Man, it is good though. It is a good beer. My goodness. Oh, that's why. This is 9% alcohol. Uh, 8.7. Wow. That explains it. I was like, man, this is really, really uh, strong. That is a strong... Yeah, it's, that's like got to be one of the stronger ones we've had. Probably. I know this is that wee heavy one. I think might have been over 9. Yeah. 9.1. That was something. a scotch ale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I've had better scotch ales yeah. than that. Uh-huh. I don't know. All right, so... 
Uh, what, Brian, what are your initial impressions of this? Uh, subjectively, what are your initial? I think it's really good. It's really good, man. <laughs> it's I really solid. like this one. Uh, it's I don't know what they say about it. You know all the usual stuff. This is a Multi- great beer. Roasty. It's won all these awards. You should buy it. Um, it kind of tickles. It's got a. It's got. I think it's because it's so strong and it's kind of got. You know. Yeah. Great divide. Uh, they, they got great marketing too. I mean, the packaging and everything like that's legit. It's it almost tastes. Much. Yeah, it is. It almost tastes a little uh, coffee. You know what I mean? A little bit like coffee. It's supposed to be an English style old ale. I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah, well, old ale means they put more alcohol in it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. If that's yeah, mm-hmm. make it older, mm-hmm. older and wiser. So I'm guessing it's aged somehow. I don't know. I don't know, Glenn. The new the new hotness with the uh, brewing companies right now is taking these is is aging their beers in like Scotch barrels uh-huh. and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they have more, some more alcohol yeah. and like more complex and blah blah blah. Okay. Well, Glenn, uh, let's talk about some stats on this beer. Okay. Um, eight point seven percent alcohol. Wow, stout. Uh, the cost was nine ninety nine. Well, and the IBUs are impossible to determine. <laughs> Their would... website does not mention that figure, and I couldn't find it anywhere on the dark internet. <laughs> I searched our go to. Uh, I searched the dark web. Fact finding. Yeah. Uh, I would. Uh, I offered Bitcoin for the information and yeah. everything. <laughs> couldn't find it. We'd give somebody karma. Yeah. If anybody could. Uh, yeah. No. Um, Fiverr didn't have anything on. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's probably like 30, 30. Something like that. Yeah, let's just approximate. I can taste some hops, but it's not really... 30 to... Yeah, 30, 35, somewhere in there. Okay, so let's just... Yeah, we're both pretty much beer sommeliers at this point, so mm-hmm. we can say that, yeah, it's got 33 IVs in it. Mm-hmm. So if anybody needs to know now from now on, we'll know. Mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn. Well, what would you say, given all that information, what would you say your uh, subjective rating would be on this beer? Well, I think we should go back and revisit the cost, because if this is 9% alcohol... Mm-hmm. A dollar more is starting to seem seem okay. Might be kind of legit because it's like drinking three beers in one. <laughs> it is kind of like it's pretty full and rich. It's gonna be so really. It's like an eighteen pack for ten bucks. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. So in that sense, it's kind of a deal. <laughs> it's a steal, people. Um, it's like cheaper than Costco beer. Oh man, is it summer yet? Um, yeah, so what were you thinking on the uh, on yeah, the, the you're right. The alcohol percentage does bring that that mm-hmm. cost more mm-hmm. uh, more acceptable. I do like this beer. I like it a lot. I like that it's pretty it's smooth and like even though the alcohol percentage is way up there, it's mm-hmm. still really smooth. Mm-hmm. You can taste the alcohol, but it's not like overpowering. Yep. Uh, really well balanced, I feel like with all the flavors, with the strength and everything. Mm-hmm. Price, yeah, it's not bad for 9 percent alcohol uh, brew. I would I, <clears throat> hmm, I would probably let's see here. I think I'm around. I think I would give this an eighty-three. Eighty-three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I'm gonna I'm gonna I would go higher on this. You think so? But I I'm gonna give it an eighty-five. I I would go higher on it if it wasn't so costly. Um, you know the ten dollar yeah. ten dollar price really puts me over the edge. And, I, and this would be a higher rated beer, as far as the MT, or as far as I'm concerned. Even My though the alcohol input, percentages, though, <sighs> that makes it tough, and that's why I, I set it at an eight point five. We'll I, just see I, what the computer says. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, it doesn't matter what me and Glenn think. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're just a couple of yahoos on a couch. But 
What really matters is what our super computer, the mustache twist scale computer, says about this beer and what it rates the beer as. So let's put these stats into the MTS computer. We'll sit back. We'll get the empirical rating, the scientific rating, and then we'll know for sure what this beer is actually rated at. Uh, so we said the price was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know for a fact that the IBUs are thirty three mm-hmm. because based on our tastes, we can discern that in fact yes, it's thirty three IBUs. Mm-hmm. And finally, we know that uh, this is an eight point seven percent. Uh, on the alcohol by volume scale. So uh, let's just sit back, relax, and wait for the empirical rating. <laughs> I never get tired of that sound. If you're printing out the, uh, the the general whirring of of the uh, of the computer. Mm. Okay, let me grab the. I'm gonna grab the print off here. Uh, Okay, here. Let's see here. Wow, it's quite the print off, Brian. Hang on. i got to thumb through the... A lot of pages. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> according to the MTS computer, that is an 8.4 on the MTS scale. Wow. So there you have it. Wow. Like right, right between our ratings. Sometimes that happens. It's really weird. I know. You know? I, and I think what it is, you know, is that we are getting better at rating beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MTS computer is kind of f- figuring things out, too. And the algorithms evolved. The artificial intelligence is working. And now we have, you know, we're, we're right in line with each other. So, At what point will we not be needed? I think like, we're already not needed. I mean, with the AI. Yeah. I, the- I think they could probably just do the podcast itself at this point. Brian and Glenn suck. <laughs> Doing a podcast with the MGS computer. <laughs> I'm seeing my mustaches. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I don't think we're in any danger of that anytime Whew. soon. Well, uh, that's good. But uh, but anyway, Glenn. Uh, finally, I, I I did the due diligence already. I went over to beersnob.com. Our friends over at beersnob.com. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of the most popular snobbery websites on mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah, they raise their pinkies when they drink their beer. Yeah, all that stuff. They had it at yeah. a ninety. A ninety. Wow. Yeah. I could see that, which doesn't surprise me. No, I could see that. Yeah, it could, this could have been rated higher. I think. Oh, this is a ten dollars beer. Oh, this must be really good. Oh, it's nine percent alcohol. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, this is. Oh, uh, it's Odie. Yeah. Odie. <laughs> it's, it's oaky and nutty. Hokey. Hokey. I, I, I taste um, some uh, acorns. Yeah. And elderberries. Exactly. So anyway, it's right up their alley. Gravy. Right up their alley. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's move on to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right, Brian. Well, <clears throat> we did the usual scouring. The scouring of the uh, the things that were posted. Yep. Uh, took a lot of things into consideration, but landed upon a few of what we think are the best representative posts from the mm-hmm. last week or so. Yep. <clears throat> and these are good. Uh, yes. This, this first one uh, is posted by our good friend, Zombie Cat Bacon, who mm-hmm. tears the site up. Yeah. This guy is like a tornado on Viagra. That's right. He, uh, he, yeah, he's, he's been, gets it done. He's been, he's been doing some work. So on the site, he has posted, the sports bubble is about to pop. It's an article by the Daily Beast. Um, a quick word before we get into the actual article. If you're reading the article on the Daily Beast, uh, 
take care to notice when the article ends and the next one begins. Right. I was confused. They, <laughs> they do this. They do this endless article thing where they they have five articles on one page, and they mean they, they they don't. There's no correlation. They're just trying to get you to read as much content as possible. Yes. And I started reading through this, and I was like, dang. I was like, this is a long article, and I don't know – I didn't know Donald Trump was involved with ESPN and <laughs> what that had to do with Damascus and yep. you know all the stuff. So anyway, I, I got confused. Star Wars? But, all right. Um, well, Disney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, the article is about basically that ESPN – the crux of the article is this. Over the past two years, ESPN has lost 7 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of money. Which is seven dollars a month. Yeah. Um, seven. You know. What they say, seventy eight dollars a year, and from each customer, mm. and that's a big problem because people are doing things like uh, cord cutting. They're they're um, pushing it too far. They did push it too far. People they got are, greedy. People have had enough. Can't uh, you know. we the people? Yeah. And so we we have fought back. Mm. I know I have. I, I've kicked the cable to the curb. I still pay for cable. But, but I, I come over to your house when I want to watch that. <laughs> but there's a game I really need to watch. Yeah. I still got to go to the sports bar, my, my father-in-law's. But, yeah. but And there are other <clears throat> ways to find games. The dark um, internet. Yeah. Let's call it gray. <laughs> gray. Let's just say it's Russia somewhere. Yeah. From Russia with love. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. The problem for ESPN is that they're... So this this report came out, and they're like, "Oh, you guys, you know, this is just a blip. We've got right. some. It's an irregularity in our mm-hmm. accounting. I'm sure we'll right. figure this out uh-huh. it sorts out." No, 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 no. Two years, yeah. seven million. Yeah, uh, it's the, the the article talks about how basically when your cable fees go up, it's because ESPN's been jacking their prices up. Yep. Like you notice how your cable bill goes up ten percent every year. No, That's I don't. From ESPN. Well, no. I've noticed it. I mean, I, I do. I, they have started demanding more and more for each. Like I, I know when. Um, what was the uh, Sling? Uh-huh. When Sling came out, yep. I think uh, Sling is a, a, a internet based. Um, it's an app. Basically, you can watch. You pay something like twenty bucks a month. Yeah, twenty bucks a month, month. And you get like you know Disney channels and and, and ESPN, ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN U. Just a few like sports and a few other some news. Channels. Yeah, and yeah. it's live live ABC. television. You know, yeah. So it's kind of like Hulu meets you know, but live it's all, TV, right? And it's all yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So you, you see it as it happens. Um, but I, I read somewhere that like the bulk of that price that you pay, I think it's like seven dollars is ESPN, uh-huh. and there's like thirty channels. So you do the math. Yeah. ESPN is basically throwing their weight around. And yeah. now they've been doing this for years. I I'm I can't, you know, Laura and I when we moved here, AT&T's trying to get a foothold into Lawrence, Kansas. And so they they cut a, you know, crazy deal to get mm-hmm. you on board because yeah. they know once you get you locked in, it's harder to quit. Yep. You know, so we we did that last year and then it came up in July and I had Laura sign up instead of my name, so yep. she got the crazy discount. And then at the end of this at the end of this period, we are going to cut the cord because I can't I can't be putting up with paying one hundred and eighty dollars a month for cable. We don't watch. We only watch. I only watch the sports channels. Laura only watches three channels yeah. out of the five hundred channels we get. It's ridiculous. Only only so many hours in the day. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah I I I think ESPN's pushed it too far, and they're they're kicking out all these money. Like I hate to say it because I love my sports team, and uh, they got a lot of money from ESPN, yeah. but. Holy crap! There's all these record 
deals for getting college sports and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to... They really ESPN really needs to just jump to the cord cutting thing and just run with it because one off all the cart yeah because yeah. that I mean that's where the future is I hope they don't get bogged down like every other media company and try to fight upstream to keep the cable model going because it's not going to work we've seen the light and it's not bundled television packages anymore I mean with Hulu you can pretty much get the majority of the shows that you want to get. Maybe it's not live real time, but nope. you could watch it 30 minutes after it airs or whatever, and you <laughs> yeah. get the same experience. Stay you know? off social media. You'll be fine. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm totally into cord cutting as soon as our cable stuff gives up. I thought it would be a big problem when we when we ditch cable, but I mean, between over the air, you know, mm-hmm. the old rabbit ears, yeah. and then Netflix and Amazon Prime, yeah. which we already had anyway. Right. I mean... We don't we don't miss it at all. I think I would get Sling and Hulu. Sling, yep. You know, and it would probably cost me forty bucks a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a hundred forty less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still have to pay for internet, right. so it'll still be eighty less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it'll still be way cheaper. And I don't like I said, only thing I watch on television uh, is live sporting stuff mm-hmm. and Netflix. That's the hardest part. Yeah, but you so. know they've the, the ESPN they've got us by the short and curlies. I mean they mm-hmm. they have like all the. Yeah, all the rights to all the TV. I yeah. mean, all the sports. So, and that's probably why they wanted to lock up all that stuff in the next ten years, so they can figure out how to deal with it, and then go into the next ten years, and then you know, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I would imagine they they want to lock it all up so they can yeah figure out what's going to happen in the next ten years. I, I said maybe because like if if that works for ten years before they can make it to the next ten years, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's true. They, they're kind of crumbling on their on their foundation there, but. There's some canaries in the coal mine with the whole a la carte service, you know. Yeah. Amazon's just announced, you know, they're doing. It's like they're starting to get into stars it. and Showtime. Apple's playing hardball with the networks to get into it. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Do they're it. Gonna do it. They're gonna do it. They're oh gonna man, you know who wins though, Brian? The consumer. Oh, yeah, finally, after Fine. decades of being overcharged for stuff. <laughs> okay, um, Glenn. Well, that's uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy sports world we're living in. Okay, Glenn. Well, tell me about uh, reverse searing. Well, I will tell you this, Brian. Our good friend Razorback. I've had many discussion with the man, both in person and via the interwebs. I need to ask him if he's going to go down to the to follow the Arkansas Razorbacks down to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Oh, is that dude? You guys got to meet up. Razorback's a great guy. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, I need to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. Um, so anyway, Razorback, our good buddy Razorback, has posted. This article from and a fantastic website. If you're into grilling, the site barbecuebible.com is is one of my top. It's like one of my two sites that I like. It it, it really truly is part of the the grilling bible. But um, it's the title is reverse searing, God send or gimmick. Mm. And a reverse sear, um, if you're not in the know, is basically the old the old saw is that you take a steak, you crank your you put you put the knob on eleven, yep. and you get the flames going. You throw that uh-huh. steak on there, and you sear both sides. Yep. And then you you quickly you know shut it all down and cook it slowly. Right. And right. Get it up to the desired temperature. Right. And the and, right. The, and the searing locks in the juices, and it you know chars the outside. Well, over time, using something called science, mm. they have determined that that's actually not a very good way to cook a steak, and it's really hard to control. And the the, the better method is to um, 
use the reverse sear, which is instead of you know searing both sides before you put it over the heat or before you turn it down, you instead cook the using indirect heat. So you have your flames on one side of the grill and you have your steak in the other, mm-hmm. and you slowly cook the you bring the temperature the internal temperature of the steak up to um, about like this varies between who you're talking to, but. Mm-hmm. Like, say, 20 degrees from where you want it to be, and then you just ratchet it up and, and sear it. Right, at the very and, end of the process, mm-hmm. right. And it's actually, like, more tender and, you know, juicier and all sorts of things that you want to steak. It basically does it better. Mm-hmm. And so this article is basically ex- explaining that. You don't even have to read it. I just did it for you. Yeah. Um, but basically it goes over the, you know, how you how you do the reverse sear, how you do indirect cooking, which is really important for... Getting for for cooking the low and slow stuff. And so this guy's takeaway on it is he's 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 behind it. Oh yeah, he's okay. He's for it. I, I liked it. I read this article and I liked that he approached it very um, skeptically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he felt like it it was working for him, but then he kind of took a step back and he wanted to go through the process and mm-hmm. find out. You know, I think he he mentioned several other cultures that are excellent at grilling meats. And how they don't really use a technique like that, and so mm-hmm. he was skeptical of it because you can't really find it in other in other areas where people are known for being exceptional at grilling various cuts of meat. Yeah, uh, but he he breaks it down and he does a pretty good job of, of convincing you that it's a it's a solid thing to do. I haven't done that before. Have you tried that before? Oh yeah, that's how I cook okay. steaks now. I see. Yeah, I cook a lot of things that way actually. Um, but yeah, it's it's way it's way easier to control. You're not worried about it burning. Yeah, you know it doesn't get too dry. Yeah, because you, right. it's just easier to control. You're just kind of finishing it off. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then in the article, he also gives an example. You're talking about other cultures how they cook. Mm-hmm. This guy is a chef. Um, oh shoot, uh, he's Chad Col- uh, Chad Colby is a, a, a chef at an Italian inspired grill parlor, Chi Spacca. I have which means the meat cleaver. I don't know in, in Italian, but anyway, the dude cooks. Um, grills massive steaks, um, and he does it using actually like a an even crazier setup. But it's basically the reverse sear, mm-hmm. and you know cooks it on its end, cooks it on its side. It does right. all this stuff, and 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 at no point is he ever you know. It's basically like the steak from planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same. One. What a great movie. I need to watch that again. Um, but yeah, so he's basically. Well, I mean, the point of that is what that they, they this dude at this really well known right place uses this method basically to get stuff done. Yes, thank you for. Uh, I, was just, <laughs> I was trying to distill what. The, thank you for making that sound point. terrible for me. Uh, no, no, but you're right. I mean, it's okay. It's you know, it's not. It's, it's not because it's, it's a real like manly American thing to do. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say American. I but you know, I don't know. But you know, you crank open your grill and you get it smoking hot and yeah. you sear it, right? You know, and right. Well, I'm gonna have to try the reverse sear because I've been doing the sear method, yeah. and it. I just thought that's how you did it. So. I mean, you can even cook it in your oven. Do you do it's blasphemy? Do you do steaks this way or exclusively, mm-hmm. or is it just, or can you do like chicken and stuff like that same way? Uh, chicken's great. Okay, um, and you don't even have to like really do the sear at the end. I mean, I cook chicken like really slow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, on the grill. Okay, yeah. all right. It's also nice too when you're cooking it low like that. You can get if you're going to do like wood pellets or something mm-hmm. to get the, yeah. the smoke flavor. Yeah, works really well. Okay. All right. Well, I'll have to check into that. Um, yeah. Read the article. It's got a lot of tips on how to do that. And okay. So it's the Barbecue Bible, right? Barbecue Bible. All right. Yeah. He, this guy, he has a, um, 
He has a really weird show on public. It's like the Bob Ross of barbecue. Mm. Uh, he's got he, he he's he's just goofy looking, and he's always you know grilling out at his home. It's like this really spacious, you know, huge place with all this, and he's got like grills on every part of his yard. Wow! And it's like today we're going to be yeah. cooking a uh, you know blah blah blah. Huh? Well, he's living the dream. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It sounds like he's uh, an accomplished uh, living his passion. Hey, and you know yeah, I mean? he's doing it well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of living your passion, Glenn, um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a post that we picked up from Swell Con- Convivial Guy. I have not seen this member. I don't know if we've talked about. It. I like his. I like his. Uh, like his username. It's pretty I, cool. I, I do too. It's very uh, catchy. Um. Anyway, he uh, he posted this article that caught our eye called "Why the Typewriter is Making a Comeback," uh, and this is a little article on a site called FutureMag.com, and. Uh, this is this is an interesting article. It, it interviewed this guy that did a book about the comeback of the typewriter. Um, apparently, there is a small cross section of people that he has found that are enjoying going back to the old school forties, fifties, sixties typewriters, mm-hmm. blowing some dust off them, and writing the great American novel, mm-hmm. or writing a letter to people, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I, this is something that interests me actually because I've been thinking about this because there's like there's some typewriters out there that were super expensive. I mean, the nicest typewriter you could get back in the day, and I'd imagine they're not too crazy expensive now because really, I mean, when you think about it, no one really wants a typewriter Demand anymore. Is- <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and they're horribly inefficient compared to computer. You know, and of course, he cites the likely the likely suspects of you know hipsters and and mm-hmm. just people that kind of want to he's basically saying you know and i think that when you look at somebody and say all oh, these hipsters just you know they want to pick up a polaroid camera or a typewriter you know whatever mm-hmm. he said that underlying the uh, that you know the the the, the surface thing of, of, of the coolness of using a typewriter was the fact that they are kind of overwhelmed with all the information and, you know, the digital life really just doesn't, it's not doing it for it's them. It's a pushback. So, yeah, it makes them want to kind of pick up something tactile again. You yeah. Because there's so much digital stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And he did a whole, he, he, he did a book about this whole kind of revival of the typewriter. I will say that I don't know if you can actually prove that there's a revival of the typewriter. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I don't know how he went about finding these people that were using typewriters. I don't know. But I will say that this has this thought has crossed my mind, and then I remember using whiteout. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, uh, never you mind. Know, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't need. I don't know. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my my parents had this typewriter. I don't know if they ever used it for anything, but they had this typewriter that actually did. It could you could hit basically it was a delete button. You go back and you yeah. hit it and you go back and it goes. And oh, it yeah. like erase it somehow. Yeah, it was like white out on. It was like a reverse. It yeah, white out with the letter thing. It would yeah. bring up a white strip and punch it into the. Yeah, yeah. My dad, I know this because my dad still uses typewriters for everything. Still? Yeah, he still uses them. Like when he writes out a letter or something really? like that, he'll type it out. And I was when I was to gr- whom it may concern. Yeah, when I was growing <laughs> up in his office, or I used to, I helped him out at his office when I was growing up, and so I always used a typewriter back in the day. Which is crazy, you know. It's funny. Uh, Programmer but, now. Well, but anyway, like, yeah, so I'm pretty familiar with using a typewriter, the ups and downs of it. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's one of those things like recording music where 
you always see these people that are picking up these old reel to reel machines mm-hmm. and saying, Oh, just there's nothing that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I really do. But at some point you gotta realize how much easier it is <laughs> and more effective and more ideas you can get down when you're doing digital stuff. But I get I, I also get the other side of it that it might be kinda cool to have a typewriter. You know, I get that. Yeah. Or one of those reel-to-reel tape machines. Like, I would never seriously endeavor to really record something on a reel-to-reel tape machine. Yeah. Because it's a pain, man. It's, yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Oh, the time it would take? Yeah. It's, it's extra time. Yeah. But, um... Doing mundane things. But, anyway, uh, people... Uh, so, anyway, I, it's an interesting, interesting thought. What do, what do you think about uh, bringing back the typewriters? Um, the... Uh, the typewriter itself, I'm not... I don't really care about. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never really... Yeah. It seems like I don't know. Yeah, I, I could never get on board with that. But right. I do respect the whole like going back a little bit into a, a couple decades ago, a few decades ago, and using mm-hmm. technologies that, that you know they had at the time. Right. There is something about like for mm-hmm. for example, I I recently started using a fountain pen. Yeah. Um, got one off of Amazon and mm-hmm. you know read reviews whatever. Got some right. ink. Right. And there's something deeply satisfying about like filling, filling your own pen. ink. Uh-huh. And we've talked to, I've talked to you before about how, like, when I was, in, I had a photography class in high school. Yeah. Many moons ago. Yeah. Where you, like, wound right. your own film and then right. you developed your own right. photos in the dark room with the chemicals. Right. It was awesome. Like, it, the process is part of it. It does kind of, you know, and, you know? and to that same point, when you're typing something on a typewriter, you don't want to make a mistake. Right. You know what I mean? You do. Like, you, you take it, it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're like... Ugh, this next word I'm going to sit here and think about this how is it spelled yeah exactly so I mean you know it does kind of force you to, to put you out of your comfort, comfort zone another you know way thing that I think about too is I, for a long time I was looking at you know I'm a guitar player and mm-hmm. there's all these analog guitar pedals out there it's yeah. all these companies this huge market blew up in the last five years of all these independent it's like craft brewers or something they all make these digital pedals, and they're all copies of each other. It's like they've got the English ale, they've got the lager, they've got the you know IPA. You know, they yeah. all it's all they all make the same flavors of all this stuff. Uh, and there's this company I'm not going to name them, but uh, there's this company that I know of that's a very well known pedal maker, and um, they make analog pedals. And I was looking at trying to get an analog pedal, which is transistors and all this stuff, or yeah. a digital one, which is basically like a little computer. Um, that models maybe an analog sound or something. Right. The the modeling one sounded almost exactly like it. It was you know perfect. There was no problems with it. I tried the analog one and there was a serious serious technical problem with it that it just at some point it just it was unusable. Like it did not work. It would create this looping thing that would because of the design of it not work correctly. I, t- I talked to the people at the music store and I said, look, this is how you recreate this thing. If you plug it, this thing into here and you plug this thing into here and you do this, this thing happens. So they contacted the company and they said, look, this guy was able to reproduce this. And they, they said, they got on the phone with them and they were like, yeah, we, we tried that and you're right. That, that's, it's messed up, but we have no idea why. <laughs> because they're building analog pedals and there's so many variables <laughs> To the manufacturing of them, all the transistors and all the stuff hmm. that you're doing to them that, you know, I don't know. It, so Interesting. It, yeah. So it's, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, di- there's a lot of different, and guitar players will sit there and say up and down, like analog's better than, than yeah. digital stuff, you know, but until it's not. Well, but there's all the stories too of people who have, 
accidentally made their own sound because they got a faulty analog pedal. That's true. Uh, was true. it what, Rage, uh, Tom Morello's Rage Against the Machine? Is that mm-hmm. Tom Morello? Yeah. I, I thought he had like some faulty guitar. Like the pickups in it were all goofy, and he had. I, maybe I'm making there's that some, up. But. They're saying that the uh, "You Really Got Me" by the Kinks. Mm-hmm. The legend has it that the guitar amp fell off the back of the truck. It broke the speaker, and they went and plugged it in, and it had a distortion sound to it. And that was the first time there was ever really a fuz sound on a <laughs> rock and roll record. Was yeah, uh, because it felt you know I don't know. Interesting. I thought it was the Beatles. I thought it was uh... the Kinks. Was like. Yeah, way before. Yeah. So yeah. I supposedly, I don't know if that's true. That sounds like something that's way too good to be true. You know, happy accident that leads to we'll some it. revolution in any way. All right, Glenn. Well, we're getting too off. We're getting off in the Long loops in the here on this, on this typewriter discussion. It's okay, though. It's not just about typewriters, Brian. I would, I would, I would try to pick up one of those... You know, portable typewriters from back in the day. They're super well designed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Bust it out and oh, so there's this there's this iconic picture of a hipster in Central Park Ooh. sitting on a sitting on a bench with a typewriter. Oh gosh, you know, like typing away at some yeah. something. I can imagine you sitting on a park bench somewhere with your little yeah portable. Yeah. Except this wasn't portable at all. It was like a big. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just like a, yeah, you know, like a, it was like the size of a laptop. I could see how that could be a little bit comical, you know. Had <laughs> the mustache and the goofy glasses. Anyway. Well, anyway. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that's neither here nor there. Um, time for the, uh, let's talk about the gentleman toast this week, Glenn. Oh, man. Uh, and it seems like, you know, none of the tax really got into any Christmas type stuff. We're talking about ESPN and typewriters and, you know, barbecuing. What's that have to do with Christmas? It's a Christmas episode. But, uh, that's a good point. We, we did pick out a, a toast this week that I feel uh, is very it's very Christmassy mm-hmm. and I'm excited about this one uh, I want to send a toast to Vince Girardi Giraldi mm-hmm. yeah Giraldi I want to send a toast out to Vince Giraldi Vince Giraldi <laughs> I think that's how it's Giraldi Giraldi I feel bad toasting a guy and I can't even pronounce the name maybe maybe Wikipedia has like a, one of those little Vince Giraldi that sounds go good. Vince, Vince Garaldi. Garaldi. I'm going to go with that. Garaldi. Garaldi. Um, and if, for the people that don't know, I'm sure everybody out there does know, but you Vince know. Garaldi uh, is the guy behind the legendary Peanuts uh, soundtrack for Charlie Brown's, well, not just a Charlie Brown's Christmas, but I think it's it, his biography set up to like 15 other uh, Peanuts yeah. soundtracks he did. But the most well-known, of course, is the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas yes. soundtrack. Um, the Vince and, Garaldi Trio. You know, I don't think about it too much, but that's the one Christmas album. That would be my Desert Island Christmas album. Would, oh, yeah. Would that's be a good this. one. That, that would be the one that I would have to... I always put this on whenever I'm decorating and stuff or, um, you know, right around Christmas time. This thing's on nonstop, basically. I never get tired of it. I, I, it's timeless. Um and it's great. I, we uh, somebody linked up a story about this, and it was Zombie Cat Bacon, actually, of course. Of course. Um, and this is from Pitchfork, and uh, it's an article all about the kind of they talk. They talk to a bunch of artists and their influence uh, about from this this album, um, and they also talk about the the making of the album. And apparently, it was made in about a day and a half. Yeah. And uh, they talked to one of the musicians that played on it. Uh, the drums, uh, Jerry, Jerry Grinelli, Grinelli. Um, and he said, Oh, sorry, a day and a half, two days. 
Uh, and he said he felt like it was there wasn't a lot of talking about stuff. They just played, mm-hmm. and it was just something they just kind of threw together. And because of that, it just felt like a bunch of guys getting together to play. There wasn't a bunch of back and forth and tweaking stuff. It just happened. That's what and, you hear too. And he said that that was he felt like that was kind of one of the timeless appeal. You know, the appeal over time is just that you can kind of hear that on the record. I, I never got that. I just got that I really liked the way it sounded. You know, I mean, it's cool. I uh, I think my buddy Brian Dannenberg played this for me for the first time. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure I saw the Christmas special when I was a kid, but I mm-hmm. didn't really pick up on the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Brian Dannenberg had a copy of this, and we started listening to it. And I it after I listened to it a couple of times, it really kind of you know set with me after that. So yeah, it's a staple in my household. I, we had it on record actually when I was a little kid. We had a, a few mm-hmm. Christmas records. Yeah, I always busted out the record player at Christmas time. That was one of them. Yeah, um, that Muppets Christmas. And, yeah, that's uh, a good one. Was it Chipmunk Christmas? I think. Anyway, <laughs> Alvin, <laughs> Alvin, hi Dave. Okay, anyway, uh, so but yeah, I, I, this is this is one of my favorites as well. But I thought it was really interesting that um, the article, the Pitchfork article, goes on to say that. This really almost didn't happen. I mean, it was it, maybe it's not that it didn't happen, but the, the networks, the TV networks, were wanting something more like Burl Lives, like the classic, right? Robust, you know, choirs yeah. singing and stuff. And this was they said it was almost too dark mm-hmm. and too you know m- moody to yeah. to even see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And now it's you know it just goes to show what people who are in charge. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not to not to play it's, the whole the man doesn't know, card, right? But it's frightening though when you think about it. Think about if, if a Christmas without Vince Giraldi. Yeah, think about if that would have never happened. Yeah, man, that'd be a bummer in a lot of people's lives because that's something that I always think about with Christmas and it's brought some serious happiness and nostalgia to my life. Oh yeah, you know I mean? if it was some like you know yeah typical. Christmas fair, I probably would not be into it. Chipmunks Christmas. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. So it's pretty scary that stuff like that almost, I mean, you hear stories about that all the time. It almost didn't get made, but then at the 11th hour, you know, yeah. this thing happened and it got done. Yeah. I, you know, I I don't know much about Vince himself. No. Yeah. Um, I only know him for the Peanuts stuff. Yeah. I only know him from this album and other stuff he's done mm-hmm. with the Peanuts. But his stuff is, is timeless. Uh, yeah. It's classic. Mm-hmm. Um, you do something that resonates with that many people. I feel like you've done pretty well. They they go through and they 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 interview all these other these contemporary artists that were yeah. influenced by the that record. Um, and his his influence was far ranging and wide. It was it really was. I mean, and and the other thing too is that they they said that when the Christmas special aired, it was like half of the people in the United States who had a TV watched it. Mm-hmm. It was a massive event. Yeah, and it basically just skyrocketed. Not only Charlie Brown and the Peanuts fame, but mm-hmm. him as well, eventually yeah. as well, and yeah. um, just really interesting. But yeah, all the, the interviews are really cool. Mm-hmm. About it seems like everybody had something interesting to add to it. One one lady was she grew up Muslim and and uh, basically said, you know, I hated I hate that time of year, but I love Vince Gerald. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it was a miserable time of the year for her, but he helped like make it you know yeah somewhat cheery and bright. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, cheers to Vince Giraldi. Cheers, Vince. A Merry Christmas uh, will be had by many this year because of the music that he created so many years ago. I listened to it last night. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, it's time for the... 
Hot and buddy topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No, I, I'm not kidding about that. It's pretty crazy. I hadn't heard anything about it until you know a couple days ago or something. I heard you know somebody mentioned it to me or something. Uh, no, the reality of the situation is that <laughs> Star Wars. Look, Star Wars is coming out, mm-hmm. and there are there's no place to hide. There's no place to run you can't to. Can't escape it. There's no place to hide. Um, this is everywhere, and there's a crazy marketing blitz going on for the Star Wars stuff, more so than any movie I think I've ever seen before in my life. Seriously, I can't. I was just trying to think of a movie that has had this kind of. I don't know if it was this way back in the '80s or what, but. I mean, I, I literally every time I turn on television, there are, I think there's 10 articles on ESPN about Star Wars. <laughs> ESPN. I'm not, I'm not even joking. <laughs> you mean like like the it's, adverts at the bottom? No, 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 no. You no, mean like, like actual, actual articles? articles about some, some, some tie-in <laughs> with Star Wars. I mean, people are looking for any way possible. To write about they Star can, Wars? Yeah. And if you look at, okay, let me just run through. I see the Subway commercials all the time, which are terrible. The Subway commercials are... Basically, then somebody. <laughs> it's like this couple walks into the subway and everybody's dressed up in Star Wars stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she like opens up her jacket and she's got a lightsaber on. Yeah. Like, oh, we're cool. You know. No, uh, no, guys, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, Duracell commercials also. Uh, Max Factor has signed up for it. I what don't is know. That? Max Factor is like makeup. Oh, okay. I. I don't know how that ties uh, in, really. Um, who wears makeup? The- uh, and the maybe the maybe the worst one of all, Glenn, was the Star Wars Day at a K State basketball game. <laughs> uh, my own my own beloved Wildcats at K State <laughs> saw fit to have a Star Wars Day basketball game as a marketing effort. Our athletic director had a, uh, a stormtrooper uh, mask on. During the during the Star Wars day, wait, who did our athletic director? Wow, committed, he really is. Um, Anything so anyway, for the good of the cost. That's right. So uh, anyway, Glenn, mm. marketing blitz. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I was thinking maybe like one of the Indiana Jones movies. Maybe they had something like that, or ET, or I, I don't know. I, think I remember he, seeing stuff like Burger King or Happy Meals. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that stuff makes sense to me, sort of. Yeah. This is like, it just seems like every, you can't. I guess there's more outlets now than there were back then. I guess. I don't, I don't every know. Every website has stories about it. I'm, I'm sick of has it. stories on yeah. it. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love reading about it on Gentlemen. Yeah. That's the only place I go. That's, yeah. Because all that the, and ESPN. That, that, all the best real articles about Star Wars are on Gentlemen. Right. Original um, content. Yeah. Uh, and we're working with Lucasfilm. To bring you articles about Star Wars, uh, uh, no. we proudly endorse. Um, but anyway, so uh, but seriously, Lucas, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can't really get away from it. And the thing is that's that's terrible about this is that I'm really genuinely excited about the Star Wars, yeah. the forthcoming Star Wars movie. But it's hard to be excited about it when you're just inundated with stuff all the time about it. <laughs> I just got reminded of the uh, the part in Wayne's World where they get oh they yeah, sell out. The, yeah, the sellout, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I agree. I, I my my enthusiasm for it has definitely waned. When every other yeah, it would be better if it was a little bit lower key. I'm, you're not gonna. 
the thing is, you're not going to forget that there's a Star Wars movie coming out. Right. If it's really you don't good, need to be reminded that yeah. the Star Wars movie's coming out. It's everybody knows it. All I needed to hear was that J.J. Abrams was in charge. Yeah. All right. That's all I need to hear. That guy has steered me wrong once. So yeah. If I can, well, there was one time. It was like, eh. but I think that was what's that movie? Well, anyway. So speaking of blockbuster deals, I mean, how much did Disney pay for the rights to Star Wars? What was it? I can't remember how many billions of dollars. Billions? Yeah, it was billions of dollars. I don't remember how much it was. I don't know. Here, whatever it was. I mean, well worth it. Apparently, I mean, you think about how much hype is behind this thing. I don't know what J.J. Abrams made off this deal, but he deserves to get a lot because I think his name alone. I think he he led a lot of legitimacy to it. Without him, I feel like people would have been freaking out. Uh, four billion. Four, four billion. billion. Four billion dollars. Four billion dollars. A lot. I, yeah, I, and that's the thing is like they've got to recoup some of that money, so that's why they have to do all the product tie-ins and all this stuff. You know, I don't know how much Subway's paying them for. Uh, getting away from their previous marketing campaigns, uh, but right. uh, <laughs> let's just shift focus over to Star Wars uh, conveniently. But uh, you know who else we should endorse? <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, our new spokesperson, Charlie. Oh, I like a good subway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's do one with a safe bet, which was Star Wars. Everybody loves Star Wars. Everybody. You can't. It's a great pitch in the boardroom. You know what everybody loves? Star Wars. That's right. You know, let's just do a Star Wars thing. We'll pay them whatever. That's It'll right. Make us look like champs. Come on, guys. We'll do what it takes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, Glenn. Well, I think we we agree that that the overhype, the over, the saturation, the saturation. It's the the market is saturated. It's like this past weekend. We got a crap load of rain mm-hmm. and if you have a basement you know there's only so much moisture the ground can absorb that's right it starts running into the foundation of a house right. like mine did right and that's kind of what's happening for me mm-hmm. i'm getting a, i'm getting a leaky basement from the star wars business yeah exactly maybe it'll maybe it'll all just go away next week or something like that maybe, maybe it's just all pre a lot of people so then- there was a i was listening to sports radio Driving home from work today, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, they weren't talking about sports. They're talking about Star Wars. Go figure. Yeah, and uh, they're saying that <clears throat> this week there's one one of the one of the hosts was saying that um, Star Wars is going to break the opening record by ten percent, which I think was Jurassic World. Maybe yeah. Um, which was I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars, but I bet it will happen. Mm-hmm. Is it, it the thing is though is that the opening opening day whatever that's fine but is it a good movie and will it sustain and right. like that's the question in everybody's mind um, yeah I won't be surprised by any opening day opening week I numbers. heard that people were expecting opening weekend yeah the biggest movie of all time bar none which I could see but mm-hmm. I mean you have basically everybody from ages you know four to yeah sixty yeah. on board with that mm-hmm. so um, yeah. So I guess I, we both agree. The oversaturation of marketing is a terrible thing. But Star Wars, kind of like it. Oh man, I don't care. It's like it's like uh, there's you know those franchises that you just don't care what they put out. Mm-hmm. You're gonna watch it anyway. James Bond for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of they, yeah, there's Star Trek. Star Trek. Know, yeah, just, exactly. Um, yeah, James Bond is something I'm always gonna go watch. I'm oh, a sucker for that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. You know? Um, I yeah. love them all. I don't care. Yeah, and I, everybody <laughs> hated the 
everybody hated the the prequels. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, James Bond had some lean years in there in the late seventies and early eighties. Was kind of iffy. Yeah, and yeah. The nineties was a little bit weird. They were, yeah, and then, then they came Brosnan, back, and yeah. it was like you know still relevant. So I hope that Star Wars can keep up that kind of momentum because you know. I, I think they will. I think. Well, who knows? I think just. I mean, the the fact Sheer that yeah, momentum. I mean, <laughs> Disney paid so much for it, then it's gotta you know it's gotta go. Gotta happen. Um, CSPN thing isn't working out. But Glenn, so speaking of that, speaking of Star Wars and the over marketing of it, mm-hmm. that dovetails into our uh, question from the gentleman mailbag, which is: Are you going to go see? <laughs> speaking of all the marketing blitz and everything like that, are you going to go see Star Wars in the theater? Uh, I probably won't. And really, and part, part I'm surprised you are. Well, okay. Well, let me let me tell you why. Yeah. Part of it is because of the, like we we're talking about the oversaturation. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of I'm not sick of it, but you know what I mean. I'm kind of uh, disgusted is a strong word, but I'm I'm a little put off by how much I hear about it all the time. I just want to go watch it. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um. But also, uh, target a babysitter. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, yeah. you gotta get a babysitter, and I really don't. I don't really have this burning desire to see it. Yeah, you know, I will definitely see it at some point, but mm-hmm. going out to the theater and experience it in the theater. Mm, yeah, you know, um, I'm just old, so I'm gonna go to the theater and see it now. Good, you should today. The official reviews come out tomorrow. Okay, today they had about a thousand. Uh, people go watch the movie. They're from Hollywood actors. And, okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, critics, mm-hmm. uh, they had a big showing today. And the uh, the things that people were saying about it were overwhelmingly positive. Overwhelmingly positive? Like yeah. a little too good to be true? No, like the, basically the consensus was like, this is awesome. Like, All right. So, so anyway, <clears throat> um, there's that. Okay. Glenn, today I spent the better part of 45 minutes researching uh, the difference between IMAX digital theaters and uh, <laughs> standard theaters, standard 2D theaters, uh, because I wanted, to, I wanted to see this. I want to see this in the best, the best format possible. Uh, and let me give you some advice, because I spent some time doing this. If you're looking to go to an IMAX theater to see this, you're probably going in the wrong direction, because there's only a handful of actual real... IMAX theaters left. There's only one scene in in the new Star Wars that has an actual IMAX film scene. IMAX camera filming it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point where the actual IMAX experience is the best. Mm-hmm. The rest of the IMAX, IMAX, what they call IMAX digital, mm-hmm. is a slightly wider screen than you'll find at a normal theater. Uh, but also, the IMAX experience made way more sense when there wasn't Sony... 4K projectors, which are mm-hmm. at a lot of theaters now. Back in the day, they only had 2K, and now it's 4K, which is a superior resolution to what IMAX right. Digital has. Oh, so not as good. So you're really if you're if you're go, if you if you don't want to spend the extra money for the IMAX, don't feel bad because you're getting a, a, probably a superior experience depending wow. on where you're at. See, so there, there's only a hand, there there are a handful of actual real IMAX theaters, and I'm jealous of people that actually can go to the big, huge screen. It's like four I times bigger. Thought there was bigger. one in Kansas City, or not Kansas City? Isn't there one kind of nearby? In Kansas City, there's the IMAX Digital, which is fake. Okay, not real. Not real. But does it have the curved ceiling? 
Or does that matter? It doesn't matter. Oh. The IMAX theater was actually a seven foot, like seven story tall, like huge cinema experience. <laughs> Basically unable to be replicated you know wow. and the imax digital is really just kind of a retrofitted a little bit wider screen but hmm. it really doesn't i mean you get a, you probably get just as good of an experience you're paying for the name in the sony 4k stuff as long as as long as you're not going to a 2k theater you're getting you're getting a good experience this totally what just happened right here this totally sums up the difference between brian and i all right. Are you going? No, I probably won't go. Yeah, I'm probably not going to go. And Here's Brian's what you're like, going to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I researched it for yeah, like an hour. Yeah, exactly. All right. <clears throat> Here's, Here's what you want to do. Well, I, I want to <laughs> pragmatically look at this and watch Star Wars. If I'm going to go watch Star Wars, I want to watch you know, I, the best I, experience possible. I understand. I'm just saying. That's why That's why we make a great team. Yeah. We're yeah. peanut butter and jelly. Right. In a lot of ways. That, that way, see, this, what happens is... Glenn will come and ask me. He'll be like, hey, I'm going to go see Star Wars. How, where should I go see it at? Exactly. And I'll be like, okay. Here's, here's the bullet points. <laughs> I you thought you'd ask that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm glad you came to me. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I was saying excited about it. Uh, yeah. I, to the point that I was looking up iMac stuff and, uh, and you know. It's important. Also, FYI, uh, the Abrams says about the 3D one, 3D versus 2D, that there's, there's only a handful of scenes that – that really translate really well in 3D, but Abrams says that they translated really well in 3D. So uh, he said it was the most. He said it was the most compelling 3D experience that he's seen. So take but that he's for biased. Words, but he's biased. So I'd say 2D, 3D. <laughs> I think you could probably go and either way, and it depends. You may on, get a share of the profits. <laughs> here's my take on this. It depends on how much you like 3D movies. Yeah. If you're not really that into 3D movies, don't go and see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. If you're really into 3D movies, go see it in 3D. In the story, I'll probably go see it at Liberty Hall. Yeah, where there's like a half a D. Yeah, half a D. You know, they've got the Sony 4K. Really? Yeah, they've got the new digital stuff. How do you know this? I know it. <laughs> yeah, you talk to people. Mm-hmm. Man. So anyway, the man um, on the ground, Brian McKinney. Yeah, doing the diligence. Uh so so anyway, yeah, I'm gonna go see it. Uh, I'm gonna go see it in tears. I, I'm. I'm all the all the initial stuff I'm hearing about it is everybody's hoping that it's going to be, and I, I'm really happy that they went with J.J. Abrams. He seemed like the perfect guy to get it done, and I think we talked about it before, but he went back to Lawrence Kasdan, guy mm-hmm. that co-wrote the best of the best from the original Star Wars, and you know, I mean, just bringing back they all did the characters it right. and everything. Everybody's super excited about this. I. I'm I'm pissed off about the oversaturation of the media and all that stuff because I don't think everybody needs to be reminded about it. But they had to. But they had to because they had to make their money back and all that stuff. They got to make their money off the movie, you know. So. so so here's my thing, Brian. Looking at this from a psychological perspective, yeah, and not to believe with the point, but mm-hmm. so you talked about the thousand or so people who went and saw it, you know, yep. celebrities, yep. socialites, whatever. Mm-hmm. Did, were the, my, my thing is were they did they think it was awesome because. Maybe not because they're supposed to think it's awesome, but because of all the momentum going into it, you know what I mean? Like, you know how that kind of colors your perception of things. You know, the the general vibe I was getting from the things that I read was like, I know you guys are worried about this movie. Don't worry, Ooh. it's awesome. <laughs> okay, was the vibe about it? All right, it was basically like a bunch of people that were kind of skeptical going into it. Like, is it okay. going to live up to the hype? I mean, these are like movie stars, basically. Like, oh yeah, nice. Oh yes, it does. Nice. You know, so anyway. Maybe I will go see in the theaters right. now. 
Well, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll go spelunking in the theaters and see what I dig up. That's what I'll do. That's actually kind of what I usually do anyway. <laughs> if Brian, send me out though. on a solo mission. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to send you to Mars. And uh, you let us know how it is. Think we should live there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah. Yeah, no, no. I if If you come back and you say you got to go see it. Because like, I'm going to be, yeah. You're very objective and you don't yeah. ever say something's awesome. You don't ever say something is, you don't ever yeah. hype, overhype something. You're right. always like, I really liked it and here's right. why. Right. So if you say, Glenn, you better yeah. get a babysitter. I will watch your children for you. Yeah. You'll see this movie in the theaters. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I, I you know, I, I got burned on the last, on the last ones, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to believe that it, you know, that the, the Phantom of the Menace was good. And, you know, really not, you know, but I wanted to believe it really bad. Brian, is Jar Jar going to make an appearance? I don't know. No one knows. No one knows. Hmm. No one knows. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And I don't want them to get answered for me before I go see it. Before you go see it, mm-hmm. I will throw this out there. Yes. Did you see the tack floating around on a little site called Gentleman? Is this a spoiler? No. Did you see the tack floating around on a little site called Gentleman? Um, about how Jar Jar Binks... Conspiracy theory. Jar Jar Binks... Is actually a Sith Lord. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I think I think Abrams wouldn't take that risk. I hope he wouldn't. Yeah. But I think, know. I think that was probably a happy accident. Yeah. That's my yeah. take. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, Glenn. Yes. Okay, we're talking about all this stuff. We're going to wrap this episode up, but I wanted to revisit something that we talked about last episode. Ooh, yeah. And that was the White Christmas versus... Uh, Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Um, I went back and watched those two. We talked about this last last time um, that maybe we should revisit this. And mm-hmm. so I went back. I did the, I did. I put the effort in. I put the hours in, and I watched Holiday Inn, and then I watched White Christmas. Okay. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple different things about this. Just review before you say something. Yeah. We Glenn, we we left at. Glenn's a fan of White Christmas. I'm a fan of White Christmas. I'm a fan of Holiday Inn. Yes. And so I went back and I watched the two movies. And first of all, to your credit, I want to say. I went back and I watched Holiday Inn, and there were a few times during Holiday Inn where I was like, "Man, this is pretty weird." <laughs> See, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want like, it to be weird. You know, it's it's not supposed to be weird, but like Bing Crosby moves in, or, or sorry, I mean uh, Fred, Astaire. Fred Astaire moves in with Bing Crosby and his girlfriend into this into this place, and he's like, you know, winking at him about trying to steal his girlfriend from him, but he's living there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something that like back in the you know, whatever the the forties, right. people were just like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" Yeah. But now you'd be like, "Dude, dude, yeah, you can't be living <laughs> you gotta here. Move you gotta move out. Yeah, you can't be. You know, you can't be trying to steal my girl while you're living here. Like, you can't do that." I think it's I think it's Fred Astaire. I think if it was any other actor, but there's something about Fred Astaire mm. where he's kind of intense, maybe or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just, not just yeah. It's a little. Iffy. It's weird. Uh, well, also it's Fred Astaire. He's ultra smooth. So, yes. you know what I mean? He can like, dance. He's dancing. And, so is that legitimate you know, threat. Yeah, exactly. Bing Crosby's old. Um, so there is that. I will mm-hmm. say that on a, a further viewing, I watched it and I felt like some of the plot points were it made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, good. I'm okay. not crazy. Uh, but I went back and I watched White Christmas or Trite Christmas. Oh! As I like to call it. And uh, I have to say, I, I had the same reaction to that that I always have. And that is that Man, it was just such a shameless vehicle for... I mean, they sing White Christmas 
at the very conclusion of the mm-hmm. movie. No, they I do. mean, spoiler alert, if you yeah. haven't seen White Christmas, <laughs> they sing it like three times in a row, and it's just over the top. I mean, it's just, it's. I, I had my head in my hands, like just painfully, like watching it in a few points because it was so yeah it's so brutal and the thing is too it doesn't have fred astaire in it it's got danny k it's really weird and they've got danny k in it and they actually have this other dancer that does all the dance numbers this nameless actor right that fills in because there's no fred astaire right you know Mm -hmm. and and so it's just it's this weird and the story's weird and it doesn't really make sense yep and yep. I don't know. The thing I like about the original Holiday Inn is that it's a cool story that's cohesive and it makes sense. And the musical numbers kind of fit in with that. Yep. And it's got Fred Astaire in it. So mm-hmm. the, the plot's kind of weird. But also, I kind of like that because it's a 40s movie and it's a weird plot. It's kind of is gritty. It 40s? I think so. Wow. I think it was like 40s and then the 50s they did. They did White Christmas. But I could be wrong about that. I'll look it um, up while you're... While you're- but anyway, I I think it's kind of cool. The the plot was a little gritty, it was a little weird, and it wasn't your standard kind of thing, you know. And they they just went with it, and it was totally cool. Forty two, you're right. Wow, forty two, and it wasn't until I think the fifties that they actually did the follow up to it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I uh, yeah I think I watched them out of order. So I watched White Christmas, and then I watched Holiday Inn, mm-hmm. and that's probably why my Right. You know, it's usually it how that gets, works. You know, yeah, the first one uh-huh. you watch and then you compare it right. to the second one. Right. You're right. Holiday Inn, if I remember correctly, is, is grittier and it's just the technology isn't as good. And it's and like everything's black just, and white. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know. And I think that the story is what really drives, like, my intrigue with it the mm-hmm. most. Is mm-hmm. It's got this really, you know, this really involved story. And the second one's more just kind of like, you know, let's see, we got about, like, six songs. All right. How can we build a story around these six songs? Yeah. And it's like, let's just hodgepodge it together and we'll call it White Christmas and it'll be good. Oh, we'll make Yeah, a we'll make a ton of money, you know. I read, so I went and read uh, Bing Crosby's Wikipedia page uh, afterwards. And he is like, essentially the best recording artist of all time. Really? Yeah. No. He Well, because of White Christmas, he, it was like for 10 or 20 years, every Christmas he was the number one. So you had that going for him. Yeah. Um, and then... He's uh, he's a champ because I would have gotten so sick of doing that song, but he kept on doing it. Oh, yeah. He, he rode that horse to the yeah. glue factory. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he had White Christmas, and he had all his other... I mean, he just... Yeah. He, but people overlook him because he wasn't in, like, the modern era of recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he... So the crazy thing about Bing Crosby is that not only did he do that, he also... Um, he was like the first guy to do or to really champion like the the rec- so he had a live radio show mm-hmm. and he yeah. was like i hate live radio this sucks because i gotta be you know i could be right. golfing right you know instead of being here every day and he's like right. can i just record five episodes in a day and so they d- delay broadcast wow they they he was the first one to kind of do that cool. and then like yeah. modern recording he gave he bought this sound equipment how did this work out i'm um, definitely, uh, we need a term for this where I make half halfway make something up, kind of paraphrase it, and kind right. of vaguely mm-hmm. describe it. It's Basically, a glenism. A glenism. Okay. Yeah. But he gave. Um, oh, now I'm going to really mess this. <laughs> now I'm on a hot seat. But he gave. Is it Les Paul? Les Paul. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He gave Les Paul recording equipment, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Hey, you should check this out." Yeah. 
And this is like drunk history is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, he, he, you know, he gives Les Paul this recording equipment, and, and basically modern sound recording is, is born, like multi-track. Les Paul invented sound, multi-track yes. recording. Yes, exactly. And so it must have been based off... Bing Crosby equipment. nudged him. Oh, yeah. In wow. the right direction. At least okay. that's on the Wikipedia page, which never lies. Yeah. It, I mean, I'll have to look we're into on that. Wikipedia. I, I know so... that it is absolutely a consensus that Les Paul invented multi-track recording. Yes. Yeah. And, um, he, and Bing Crosby had, I think he had some that, of, like, he paid a crap load of money for... Really? Yeah, because he had too much money. I could see it, yeah. Anyway. Maybe Bing Crosby was recording at home or something with one-track stuff, and he was like, screw this. Yeah. Make something better than this. I don't know. I don't think, I don't even think it was that yeah. closely tied. I think right. he was just like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Um, but, regardless, yeah. he's, like, at the forefront of all these modern, you know, video music mm-hmm. and... Uh, and plus, he's being Crosby, you yeah. know, like same with David Bowie. Yep, yeah, same yeah. with David Bowie. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, absolutely. No, I. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you went. I, I didn't have a chance to rewatch both mm-hmm. movies. It takes a little bit of an effort. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I need to. I need to watch Holiday Inn, but um, Holiday Inn is is good. I, it is. It's a weird plot, and I get. Wait, I, I definitely when I watch it, you know, through uh, after talking to you about it, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I was watching a few of the scenes mm-hmm. and I was sitting there like, man, this is really weird what's going on on the screen right now. This is really <laughs> yeah. weird. You know? And it's it's just uncomfortable mm-hmm. at parts, you know? But yeah. some good films are uncomfortable sometimes. That's true. White, so, White Christmas is, is over the top and almost yeah. a little too... Uh, it, it, it was manufactured. Yeah. Absolutely, but at the same time, I don't care. Yeah, I will say <laughs> that. Given saying me. all that stuff, like yeah. really, it wasn't as bad as I remembered it. Yeah. Like there is a cohesive storyline, kind of, and it kind yeah. of makes sense. But there's just enough about it that really doesn't make sense that it just bothers me. You know, I think that might be also a byproduct of the time periods that they yeah. came out in too. True. Like the forties, you yeah. know. Things were yeah. rougher, and like yeah. the 50s was all like, ah, we're in Hollywood, yeah. you know, yeah. put on just, a happy smile. Yeah, just make a big show of it, and it'll be all Exactly, fine. it was all about the, yeah, yeah. the yeah. glitz and everything. Could so. be. Mm-hmm. Technicolor. Yeah. It hides a lot, of Ill, a lot of ills, you know what I mean? Exactly. Okay, Glenn, well, speaking of Technicolor, <laughs> uh, it's time for the end of episode uh, 78, the 2015 Christmas Spectacular. Man. The and Christmas special is over. You know, we started off slow. It was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. You know, where's the Christmas? It's the reverse stuff? sear, man. Oh, exactly, Brian. On the reverse sear. Oh, we reverse seared that Christmas special. Yeah, exactly. You thought, you know, well, yeah, you know. Oh, this slow. episode's terrible. So I think and it's safe to say we uh, reverse sear every episode. <laughs> it's like the reverse, uh, <laughs> reverse, reverse, double reverse <laughs> sear. I, I saw a football team. I think it was a pro team try to do a double reverse, and it the, always uh, fails. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty episode. That's right. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, um, I think from me and Glenn, mm-hmm. we want to wish everybody out there that's listening to the Gentleman Podcast a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's right. We will actually we'll be talking before New Year's, so maybe we'll talk about New Year's stuff. We will. Yeah. You and I, or yes. okay, and the podcast. Okay. The royal we. The royal we. Okay. All of us. Very nice. Um, but anyway, um, probably. Maybe. I think hmm. so. Okay. <laughs> Unless there's something that I don't know Maybe about. out of town? Um, it depends. Anyway. Okay. We'll clear that up. We're gonna but if you don't hear from us, yeah. or if you do. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I guess we should say a happy, uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to a bowl game. And I'm going to a bowl game. Man. Uh, I'm going to be down in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. You and Razorback. Starting for, well, we don't know that yet. Uh, we have to find out about yeah, that. He'll, he's game. Um, he's good for it. I'm going to go down and, and we're going to face Razorbacks, Mighty Razorbacks. K-State's mm-hmm. going to be in a bowl game uh, that I'm going to be at. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, so everybody out there, have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, and we will see you uh, either just before or just after 2016. Is That's right. Is Aldang sign? What does that mean? Uh, it means thank you for listening to the Gentleman Podcast. Old Lang Syne. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Yep. Then. Well, uh, everybody out there, have a good Christmas and New Year, and we will talk to you next episode, whenever that is. Merry Christmas, everybody.